You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Well, the, the throwing's been great. Uh, physically, he looks great. You know, he's, he's been healthy. Uh, he looks leaner to me, he looks faster. I think he did a good job putting in work in, the, in winter conditioning with Zach. When he takes off with it right now, he looks like a 4-4 guy. He looks a, like a guy that can really run and, and be a weapon. So I think he did a lot of work in the offseason. Mostly, I think Adrian's just in a good place uh, mentally right now. I think he's real comfortable playing with a lot more confidence. Adrian is a guy that's, to me, you know, I, I thought he had a good last year, especially with his, uh, his completion percentage and really improved towards the end of the year. He's taken it another level from a leadership standpoint and an accuracy standpoint. And I, I even think from a fitness standpoint, I always knew he's a good athlete and, and fast, but he looks even a step faster. And he's, uh, he's throwing balls on time. He's, he's really making the receivers and tight ends and everybody look good because uh, he, he's putting the ball where he's supposed to be on a consistent basis. And welcome here to this edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, as you heard from head coach Scott Frost and Matt Lubick there, offensive coordinator. Uh, of all the things that have jumped out this spring, I mean, both have mentioned Adrian Martinez and, and players have as well. And I know there's just kind of this reluctancy right now. Um, don't go there. Don't fall in the trap. Don't overhype. In fact, um, I mean, you know, I think if you – tweet anything out or say anything positive right now about Nebraska. I mean, you get met with pretty heavy resistance on social media. Um, how dare you have anything positive to say about anything Nebraska football because they haven't won games. They need to win. We suck. Da, 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 da. And, and, and that's just been, I mean, I'm sorry, guys. The frustration of my feed has gotten to me here a little bit. But um, Adrian Martinez is having a good spring. I mean, I, I've heard it from enough people, from outsiders, insiders, coaches, players, and you see it in his body. He looks like he's taking the next step. Um, you hear it in the way he's completing the ball. You hear it from newcomers in the program like Samori Torre, who is brand new. So if this continues, to me, that's about as big of a step for this team improving as anything. Because the reason why Nebraska hasn't been what we have thought they should be maybe the last two seasons is the inconsistency at times with the quarterback position. Well, particularly just holding on to the football and those costly game-changing mistakes that have happened far too often under Adrian. So as promising as he's been at times, uh, there's always been that other side to it where, you know, a lot of times his, his biggest uh, enemy is himself and some of just the uh, the mistakes that, that he's made and, and had the, the tendencies to make that, you know, have ultimately kept him, you know, stuck in neutral and almost reverted him a little bit from where he was uh, coming out of his freshman year. And so if he's able to continue his performance this spring and carry it on into the fall and then stay healthy over the course of a full season, there's no reason why Adrian Martinez can't make a massive jump and return to the type of player everyone thought he was going to be coming out of that first year. But the hesitancy comes from you know people kind of doubting, will that happen? Will he actually be able to stay healthy for a full season? Will he actually be able to you know, hold on to the football and, and not, not give the ball away on fumbles and costly interceptions that um, you know, have really uh, been one of the biggest issues Nebraska's had offensively over the last couple of years? Yeah, I agree with you. The turnovers is something that, that totally has to get fixed. But let's be honest here, too. I mean, there are people and other you know teammates around him that can also make him look bad and and I'm sure and, and I know that he's probably taken some heat 
for some mistakes that, that the wide receivers have had. He, uh, you know, at times his center has not done him any favors over the last couple of years. And so, um, you know, I think if he is progressing and playing at a high level and the, you know, those around him are doing the same, then yeah, I have no reason to, to, you know, scoff at the fact that Adrian could look like a totally different guy heading into next year. And you get the sense there's kind of just an edge and he is all business. When he talked to the media once a spring, you know, it wasn't a flowery session of wine and roses, as Jay Norvell, his legendary Jay Norvell quote, we knew it wouldn't all be wine and roses when we got to Nebraska. <laughs> um, but um, it hasn't been wine and roses for Adrian Martinez since he's been in Nebraska. It started out that way, and he got met with um, heavy – resistance that a lot of quarterbacks have been greeted with over the last few years, you, you, almost like a fatigue, you know, an Adrian Martinez fatigue, um, especially when he was picked third to win the Heisman as a sophomore on those mm -hmm. preseason Vegas odds boards and looked at maybe as the preseason player of the year in the Big Ten Conference um, over even Justin Fields that year. And, um, you know, it's changed a lot. And I, I think hopefully he can learn from that. He can learn from losing his starting job for a couple of games. The way he bounced back from that situation, I, st I still think people forget he went five games in a row without a pick this year. Mm -hmm. After the Northwestern pick, which, by the way, I think we figured out their defense was pretty dang good. Yeah. Um, and he goes five in a row after that game without a pick. Then he, the, the next pick he threw was Rutgers. Mm -hmm. He threw, and that was, as, as the coaches have joked, that was the best game and the worst game they've seen from a quarterback. You know, like where he looked like the conference player of the year, but then he looked like the worst quarterback of, of the year in the conference. Yeah, that's kind of the, the story of him. I mean, so you go back to the expectations set from after that first season. I mean, it wasn't just Vegas or media or fans. I mean, Scott Frost himself had a very high bar set for Adrian going into year two to where he wasn't shy about thinking about how good that offense could be with you know a, a the more experienced Adrian running the show and you know they, they turned down Joe Burrow to <laughs> and he said is he better than what we got you know and there was hard to argue that because Adrian was so highly regarded uh, basically across the board uh, for for what he was going to be and so I think that was set Adrian up for for failure to where he wasn't this Heisman Trophy player and ever all of a sudden people say well this guy he's not any good you know he, he's not going to work out here and then the injuries and then you know the turnover issues it all kind of compounded onto each other and I think because of that he, Adrian is a different person now you can just kind of see him it's it's been limited interactions that we've had with him uh, over the course of this offseason but in his one in person media appearance. He had a chip on his shoulder. Uh, I mean, he seemed guarded, you know, and kind of short a little bit to where in previous press conferences, he might have, you know, tried to be, you know, this this happy-go-lucky guy trying to you know, be everybody's friend. He had no interest in doing that this time around. And I think that's a good thing because a guy like that needs an edge. And your quarterback, especially at a program like this, in a position that it currently is in, they need a leader that's, you know, got a little bit of a, a fight to him. And it worked out for his head coach, you know, Hovered <laughs> 20 years ago and so maybe adrian's taking the same approach that uh you know stop worrying about making everybody else happy and just do what you need to do yeah i think sometimes when everything is wine and roses you can kind of let your guard down and and maybe become a little complacent and think that hey this is easy and you know i, I think obviously he found out that it's not and uh, you know, the, the one thing that, that I really kind of take comfort in and knowing Adrian uh, is, is the fact that he's a really mature kid. And, you know, that benching that he had last year, what he went through last year, I think 
he's mature enough to to really use that as motivation to to learn from it instead of you know kind of going in the tank and, and maybe throwing the towel in you know he I think he learned from that situation and um and you know for as much you know Adrian he loves the fans and but he also I think wants to prove the doubters wrong he's got a little extra motivation going with him right now and so you know, I, I think when you combine all of that, you know, given his experience and everything, he's he could, he's maybe poised to to kind of get back to you know the Adrian we've all kind of been you know, hoping to see again. All right, two quick things and, and just short answers on this from both of you guys. Number one, who's your number two? If you had a guess today, is it as simple as it smothers, or could it end up being Harburg? And number two, do you think Nebraska ends up taking another quarterback here after Springwell? I'll say this: I think. I, I still think Smothers would get the nod, um, but it could easily be Harburg um, at some point. And I think if it's the right guy, they will take another quarterback. Yeah, and I think it's far too early to say on any of that, but if you're asking me today as a taping of this show, Logan Smothers is the number two just because of his experience. I mean, the fact that he's been in the program for a year, but it is a far from set in stone thin situation. Line. Exactly. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think number two would be Logan, and, and mostly just because – He's he knows the the offense. Um, you know he's he's had limited reps, just as uh, Harburg has, but he knows the system better um, now. Whether or not they take a quarterback, I think it all depends on what's out there. They're not going to take one for the sake of taking one, but um, you know if I had to say right now, I, I'm I'm probably leaning towards them not taking a quarterback just because I don't know if there's going to be you know a bunch of great choices out there uh, when it comes time. All right, we'll continue the offensive discussion here next. Uh, we're going to start out with some wide receiver talk. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Uh, just somewhere, you know, a place that really, like, needed me and had an opportunity for me to come in and step in right away, be, you know, helpful to the to the younger guys and uh, just an offense that kind of, you know, fit my skill set and found ways to, you know, utilize me. And that's, that's, what, that's what I've had so far. I just felt it was in my best interest to seek out a, a different option than uh, the situation I was in currently. And uh, I got into contact with Coach Shenander and Coach Lubick and Coach Frost like shortly after I was in the portal. And um, they expressed a lot of belief in me, which I liked a lot. So, you know, I committed to coming here. And welcome back here to the Husker Line Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. That was newcomer receiver Samori Tori, And I guess you can still almost call him a newcomer in Oliver Martin as he didn't have really a full year last year um, and, and was able to make an impact um, at the receiver position. This segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill. It's going to be a busy time here this weekend at T Tanner's on 30th and Yankee Hill. They'll have all the NCAA volleyball action on as you'll want to get in there to watch Nebraska. Nebraska baseball on the road this weekend at Penn State for a three-game series. Uh, so they will have all those games on as well as Major League Baseball. That's underway and I know Nate and Robin and I were all watching our MLB every night. Uh, was staying up too late now watching the Dodgers these nights, um, but it's been easy to be a Dodgers fan right now, guys, as they are off to a hot start again, defending that ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, rubbing in. I can't. I, you can't call me like a, a fake Dodger. I've been like my whole life. The Chiefs and Dodgers fan is really yeah. having a rough oh, yeah, go. That's at it rough. Lately. Kevin, our friend Kevin Cooley goes, "Are you a Lakers fan too?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like the rare combination of Chiefs, Lakers, Dodgers, but. Um, Let's talk wide receiver. You heard Samori Tori. You heard Oliver Martin. 
And I know a year ago at this time, we thought that they would be at this point. We thought, oh, Omar Manning would just kind of be plug and play. Marcus Fleming would be plug and play. Will Nixon could play. Will Nixon gets hurt. Fleming leaves. Omar Manning just had a lot of things that happened and was injuries, mental, whatever, that he didn't become a factor. So Nebraska was forced to play a lot of guys on the field that they probably weren't expecting to be starting receivers at the Big Ten level, and it showed with how they played. I think now this position at wide receiver today is where they thought it should have been at maybe a year ago. Yeah, I mean, especially if the guys that they need to step up and be big-time pieces in that rotation do take that jump forward. And uh, right now, I mean, it is spring. You're not even fully way through your first spring ball. But guys seem to be uh, progressing very well to where Scott Frost, I mean, going into this thing, talked about how excited he was about the potential of the group. And seems like every practice you hear more and more about how good that that unit is coming into into form so it starts with samari torre who uh, has been everything nebraska could have hoped for um, on and off the field and uh, you can probably pencil him in as uh, probably the number one wideout right now but the you know the, the cautious optimism around omar manning that you know he's he's been... omar manning i feel like that failure last year has made people hesitant exactly. to get on samari torre no doubt yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> there's no doubt that I think, uh, you know, and we all talked about what, what Omar Manning could, could possibly be last year and, you know, how good he was. And, and, he, and he still is very good and has the ability to play at a very high level. But there's no question that people are kind of pumping the brakes on Torre right now because um, – They were burnt. Yeah, they, they were burnt on Omar before. Manning. They, yeah, they heard it all about oh, Omar I'm, Manning, and then he never even really touched the field. I mean, how many snaps did he play? Like five or six snaps mm-hmm. all of last season. And so He lined up on the wrong side on one of them. Yeah, and so people are pumping the brakes. But, when I mean, I was blown away by how well Torre when, – when he got in front of 40 media members here, which is probably the first time he's ever seen anything close to that. And the way he handled himself, you knew, okay, this guy is extremely mature. He's He is ready to step in, and no moment is going to be too big for this guy. And so um, – and I don't know if you could say that about Omar Manning. I mean, yeah, he was at TCU, but only for a brief time, and then he was at a junior college. So, I mean, I think Torre's – you know, uh, transition from Montana to Nebraska is a little easier than what it's been for Manning. But shoot, if you get both those guys playing at a high level, throw in Oliver Martin right there, Xavier Betts, Xavier Betts. I mean, and, and that's just a couple of the guys. You got Alante Brown, you got Will Nixon. I mean, the list and just on. role players, even like Levi Falk and White Lever. Exactly. I mean, I'm not saying those guys are difference makers, but they're really, really good role they're players, contributors for sure. And so, yeah, that that position group. I mean, more than any, maybe any other, I think is is poised to have the greatest uh, you know change compared. And to it's last a wonder year. why Cade Warner left. Where, where would yeah. he even been in this? He was a captain a year yeah. ago, um, and where would he even have been in this group? I mean, I I can't, I can't see any way outside I mean, of the top six. Oh but, yeah, and that's why he's at Kansas State yeah. um, right now because he wouldn't have been able to beat these guys out. Um, you know, the talent. You know, you almost forget about Xavier Betts how good he could end mm-hmm. up being. Um, but I, I think having Torre here, it's probably good for Manning too. Um, I think a year ago, Manning kind of just felt like I'm the best guy here. But now there's guys that are as good or better than him, and hopefully that gets him to go harder and, and play. And you know, the, the I, I feel like whenever Huskers.com puts out a video, they always make sure 
they take care of the internet and show Omar Manning because yes, he was here today. If, yeah. if you if you don't if you don't have the Omar Manning sighting on those Huskers um, videos, mm-hmm. you know it leads to a huge message board. Where's Omar? You know <laughs> we were joking like there's plays that he's not even involved with. Like it's one like Touré making a catch thirty yards downfield and the camera immediately pans to Manning to show him celebrating. <laughs> like hey, look at there, he was on the field, he was practicing. But uh, you know going back to Samari Touré, you know listening to Wyatt Lever talk. Uh, on Wednesday, uh, you know, everyone has praised Samari in, in every sense, but you know, Wyatt said that one of the things that jumped out to him was not only how good of a player he was, but how he instantly took ownership of that group as a leader from day one. And he said he carries himself as a total professional and just does everything the right way in, in every sense. You know, he, he's um, super diligent about watching film. He's always on time to meetings. You know, he, he's making sure that he gets all his work done beyond just, you know, when they're on the field and when, and when they're in games. So that I think is a tone setter for the rest of this group where you have a wide receiver room that, arguably has as high of a ceiling as almost any position on the team and it's extremely unproven if you can get those guys to follow a guy like Samari Toure who's doing everything right way and setting that example that could do wonders for pushing the entire group from top to bottom yeah and it shouldn't come as a huge surprise I mean this guy's he's produced at at a fairly high level Um, I mean he he, by all accounts, he I mean he could he could be getting ready for the the NFL draft right now. I mean he he didn't have to be at Nebraska right now if he really if he didn't want to be. And so um, you know it, it doesn't shouldn't come as a surprise that he's handling himself like a professional and, and that he's kind of taking leadership and ownership of that room. But um, you know I think I think there's a good chance that it's gonna you know we can, we'll be able to look back at this and be like well that was that was what that room needed was somebody to kind of take ownership of that and and show everyone else how to act and, and how to you know how to be a professional well, on the deep ball too, guys finally the deep ball has to be there this year and it wasn't there I mean Nebraska was arguably one of the worst deep ball teams in the conference um if not the nation yeah, I mean they, they, you know the, the long pass of the year was that late throw I believe to Wandell Robinson you know in Maryland and that wasn't easy I mean that was a hard play to make they just didn't have the the potential to make deep plays and um, I think what you heard Matt Lubick say between Adrian throwing it and the guys they have, they've completed more deep balls already this spring than they did all of last year. Yeah, and you've heard multiple receivers saying that you know they've noticed right away uh, they're making more of a concerted effort to stretch the field and throw more of those long passes. And I mean that's an element for this offense to work. It has to be there. You have to have the home run threat. You need players uh, on the perimeter that are capable of you know, beating defenders and, and winning those 50-50 balls. You need a quarterback that's confident and has the trust in those receivers to throw those balls. And you need a line and a running game to be able to keep the pass rush off you long enough for guys to get downfield in order to stretch the field. And by all accounts, things seem to be coming together rather nicely in those regards. Yeah, and, and I think that uh, you're hearing it from the defensive backs too, that they that's something that they've noticed is that they're having to defend the field vertically. They can't you can't stack six, seven guys in the box like like defenses did last year. So um, it's that's definitely something that um, is going to be a welcome change. All right, when we come back, we will talk defense now as um, a lot of things to catch up on on that side of the ball. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Yeah, yeah. Uh, personally, and as just as a defense, as a team, I, I mean, everybody saw we had momentum going in. 
um, or going out of the season and carrying this in the spring is huge. And, and we've done that, which is really, uh, which is really good. Uh, but like I said, we've had some good, good first two steps. You know, these seven practices, where we just got to keep going and uh, can't stop now. I plan not to come off the field. Honestly, I plan to, I plan to play all special teams. I plan to, you know, if some offensive packages, we could throw that in there, you know, but I, I don't plan to come off the field. I plan to give everything I have, everything out to my all to Nebraska this year, man, everything. And welcome back here to the Husker Line Show. Sean Callahan, Robert Washett, Nate Klaus. Well, I think if we learned a few things so far about Nebraska's defense, they're old, they're experienced. They were pissed off about not having a bowl game. We, we learned that last week and how upset some of those guys were about how that went and that process went. Um, and, and the confidence is there. The depth is there. And Eric Chenander said um, this, this week that, you know, we, we've got to determine, you know, how many guys we need to get reps because there's a lot of guys that are all like on a starting level and we need to get them all ready to go. And I think defensive line, linebacker, um, you know, those those front seven positions particularly, there's just so much depth and competition, and that's even without Ben Stilley and JoJo Dolman practicing right now, Robin. Yeah, and I, I guess that's the best part about it is you can afford to have those guys maybe sit out a spring to, to get healthy and be ready to go in the fall, and that opens the door for all that depth that you have behind them to get more reps. Reps are the most valuable commodity uh, you could possibly imagine for the defense this spring, particularly on the defensive line. Uh, I mean, those guys, um, like Casey Rogers, Ty Robinson talked about that, that, you know, it's, it's cutthroat almost for being able to get on the field and get those practice reps to, to showcase what you can do and earn your place at the table when it comes to seeing the field and games this season. And that's the best possible scenario to have where you have built-in experience, leadership, proven production coming back, but also a really exciting depth that's coming up the ranks that are going to continue to learn from those guys and um, really have a, a pipeline, so to speak, uh, on that defensive front. Yeah, you, I don't think you, you'd never want to have anybody injured or, or missing time due to injury. But at the same time, I think you know, this could be a blessing in disguise that you've got some ultra experienced players that are kind of on the shelf, so to speak, and, and dealing with with some um, you know some injuries or just healing up, and and that has opened the door for more reps to, to go around. And and any anytime you've got a bunch of guys that are mentioning, hey, you know, that's so and so to my left or my right, or, or they're my best friends. But once we're on the field, we're we're fighting for every rep that we get. They're not my friend once we're on the field. I mean, I, I think that's what you want to hear is that that uh, guys are, are scratching at, to get whatever rep they can get right now so uh, that's been encouraging to hear you're listening here to the Husker Alliance show as we talk defensive storylines and you know guys that have really I think benefited from the spring and Chenander mentioned this name and I think we all would agree Fidarius Payne you look at him first of all he's wearing a new number he's number zero um, which did they have anybody wear the zero last year yeah I can't remember who it was but they had a couple guys like insignificant guys. now it's yant yeah jock Yant. we were all joe he got a lot of praise after the first scrimmage but parker gabriel and some of the writers we were joking we didn't we didn't fall in the trap to to write yeah. the Jacquez yant <laughs> spring breakout yeah, story that's usually the end of week three of spring when you've already written about everybody that's that's when you get the walk-on stories the walk-on but he sounds like a great addition on offense but yeah i, I think pain um you know you, you see it in his body and 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 he didn't get a spring last year. He didn't get really a full off season, a fall camp. And he, to me, could be the guy that makes the biggest jump. And he could end up being that 
missing pass rusher they, they've just failed to have really since Randy Gregory has been in the program. Well, he was such a big surprise last year with how well he played, particularly when it came down to accomplishing one of Mike Dawson's biggest goal for that position, that's setting the edge and not letting uh, teams basically just have this this clear gateway right around the tackle uh, for big runs. And, you know, Feldarius Payne is um, a guy that not only is physical enough to hold up against the run, but, you know, he showed some pass rushing chops too and, and made some plays in the backfield that uh, kind of made you do a double take a little bit. So I'm I was definitely as surprised with how good he was right off the bat uh, as almost any player on that defense last year. Well, and, and you have to take into account that, you know, he's, he was coming off that injury and that shoulder that, you, you know, and, and really nobody got a normal spring obviously last year um, or, or normal season in under any circumstance, but he was dealing with that injury, trying to get healthy and, um, you know, and we saw the flashes towards the end of the season of what he could be. And I think what the staff kind of envisioned for him when they recruited him. And so to have somebody who can play with his hand down or, or, you know, uh, playing outside linebacker, I think is, is really valuable. That, that versatility for sure is, is something that, that brings a lot to the position. And so, I mean, if he can build off of what, off those flashes that we saw at the end of last season, that's, you got something going right there. Something else Eric Chenander um, spoke about was that other corner spot, the DiCaprio Boodle spot. That's really the only intriguing spot to fill on this defense. And he goes, in past years, jobs like that may have just been handed to a guy by default because there just had there wasn't the competition. There just weren't bodies there. But in this case, that won't be the case. Uh, you have at least three players um, that are battling for that job: Quentin Newsom, Braxton Clark. Uh, Nadab Joseph, Taman Lynham, I mean, actually four guys. Marcus Buford's out for the spring. Um, but, Robin, you were in that. Nate, were in, you guys were in that group. What's your read on that corner spot? I mean, if you had to handicap who has the edge, do you think there's a, a read on that right now? Well, the word that probably best describes it that Quentin Newsom had was intense. He said that battle is Every day, every rep, every drill that they do, it is uh, intense competition for that job. And, uh, you know, Cam Taylor-Britt said, you know, I, everybody kind of has me in a pen as the starting lineup, but I got to pay my rent too. So, you know, he's pushing everybody along as well. Um, but right now it's wide open. And I guess you could say Quentin Newsom is the only guy that has game experience and he did well, uh, particularly uh, in that Northwestern game. Um, and, you know, it just kind of showed uh, really good progress uh, over the course of that year. And so that might give him a bit of a leg up right now, but it is far from settled and probably won't be till the end of fall camp. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, I'd say you probably have to give the nod to Newsom right now, but I mean, before Braxton Clark got injured last year, they were talking about him. You know, I, I think they were preparing him to to see a lot of time last year as well. So, I mean, you, you, there's a lot of bodies there. And then Nadab Joseph obviously is somebody who has as much uh, athleticism, as many tools as anybody on on the roster at that cornerback spot. I think, um, you know, if if the light is coming on for him, you know, and he's healthy too. I mean, he he's very much could factor into the equation there. Well, I think something else about this spring they've got to get figured out is the future after Deontay Williams, after Markel Smuke, after JoJo Dolman. And it seems like obviously Noah Pula Gates, um, Miles Farmer, and then even maybe an Isaac Gifford. I mean, those could be the three guys if you had to handicap odds, maybe in line to win those jobs in the future. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it's, I mean, uh, right now that's that's what I would say. 
and Gifford is getting a lot of reps at that JoJo Dolman spot right now, you know, and because Dolman's mm-hmm. been recovering for some some stuff here. Um, but Noah Paula Gates, I, I still feel he's been. This will be his third year in Nebraska. And I feel like we don't know anything about the guy because no. he got hurt and wasn't going to even be able to go through spring last spring. Uh, played some special teams. Uh, but that's a guy that when we go to the open practice on Saturday and have the red-white game, I'll be curious to see him play because I, I just feel like he's been here a long time. I know nothing about the guy yet. Yeah, you want to talk about expectations. I mean, that guy was supposed to be the you know one of the prize pieces of that class. It'll be and, USC and Alabama for Yeah, him. and it has not materialized for whatever reason. And Well, because Deontay Williams and Mark Ellis, I mean, he, he's not going to beat those guys out. Yeah. I mean, so he's, he's had to bide his time. Deontay Williams is a damn good player. I mean, he was a Georgia-Florida recruit for boy, before he didn't qualify academically. And Markel Smuke was a four-star recruit, too. But, I mean, too. it didn't stop Miles Farmer from seeing the field. I mean, so they've got guys that have at least had a role. But he was hurt. No he didn't Paul, have a spring last year. No yeah. Paul Gates didn't have a spring. He was coming off injury. So I, I think that was a part of it. He didn't get any reps because sure. of the injury he suffered. Sure. So, I mean, maybe now uh, is his time to actually factor in to that defense a little bit. And, again, I think you start with special teams. He's got to be more of a factor on those special teams and uh, be able to kind of earn his way into that rotation. And maybe, maybe this is the year with the emphasis that the staff is putting on special teams, particularly Travis Fisher. Yeah, well, the fact of the matter is he's not going to beat out Markel Dismuke or, or Deontay Williams this year for a spot. So you better make your name on special teams, and you better be in the you know put yourself in in position to at least rotate when those guys need to come out of a game or or if something happens. And and I think he has. I mean, he's obviously been putting in a lot of work because when he got here, he was very very skinny. I mean, he was probably 170 pounds soaking wet. And after we had a chance to kind of see him in that that one Wednesday practice where we were able to watch like the first 30 minutes I mean I think it was pretty clear that he's changed his body he's added a lot of good weight and and, and mass to his frame and so um, you know he's somebody who is should be in position uh, to to at least be in that rotation or to make a name for himself in special teams this year all right when we come back we're going to take your questions in the mailbag as uh, lots of things to catch up on you're listening here to the Husker Online Show this is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Reps are valuable. You know, there's competition going on every position. Running back's uh, one of the spots where we're looking for the, the guy to step up and take control of it. Some guys have been out, so that's given other guys an opportunity to do well. Uh, was really impressed with Gabe Irvin in the scrimmage. Uh, Jock Ant did some good things. So while some of these guys are, are nursing a, some injuries, uh, it's, it's given some other guys the opportunity to make some plays. And welcome back here to the Husker Line Show. Sean Callahan, Ron Washett, and A. Klaus. Time to take your questions in the mailbag. You heard Scott Frost talking about the running back position and with Marquis Step out now with a foot injury. It's really opened things up. And Gabe Irvin, the true freshman out of Georgia, has gotten a lot of reps. Uh, but it leads me, gentlemen, to our first question of the mailbag. And it's about running back. Um, you know, should we be concerned about Marvin Scott, Ramir Johnson, Sevion Morrison? And Ronald Tompkins, like, why aren't they, you know, emerging? And you know, where 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 are things at with this running back position when you have all these other scholarship guys? And what I would say is, I, I still think it's too early. Um, but to me, the warning signs were maybe last year. We just didn't see those breakout moments that you just kind of know. Like the first time you see a great running back at Nebraska you pretty much know they're going to be good. And we haven't seen that from those other four backs on the field, maybe other than Ramir Johnson's run at Iowa. I mean, that was probably the only moment 
that you're like, ooh, okay. Um, but there, there just hasn't been that, ooh, okay, where Robin stands up in the press box and gets all excited to see an exciting play on the field. And it, we, we just haven't seen that happen yet. And, and hopefully we get to see some of that more in this open practice in the spring game. Yeah, and I think a lot of it comes down to guys just being able to stay on the field and be stay healthy. Uh, the lack of availability from that position from all the way down the depth chart was as big of a problem as anything where, I mean, you didn't have a guy that was let alone healthy for eight games, but even, you know, a fraction of that where, you know, you're, you're counting on a, a Sevian Morrison. He doesn't even get to see the field. And, you know, Marvin Scott is in and out with injuries. You know, Ronald Tompkins is in and out with injuries. Diedrich Mills even was even uh, in and out. And so that I think inconsistency and just lack of stability in the rotation not only kept Nebraska's running game from ever getting out of, off the runway, but also uh, really impeded the development of the young guys at that position to where, you know, really now is the first time they're on a normal track where they actually get a spring uh, and they get to kind of get their feet under them a little bit going into a season. So if they can stay healthy, I think that room has a ton of potential and they have a lot of guys that could be that type of player, especially when you add in Gabe Irvin to the mix. But, um, you know, it's kind of like receiver where, you know, as, as exciting as that potential may be until they actually prove it on Saturday, there's going to be questions. Yeah. I've been asked a ton about the running back position and, you know, why, why have they struggled to recruit that position so well, or, or why have, why have they been so poor at identifying talent there? And I don't think that's the case. I, I just think that they've had bad luck more than anything, because I think there is talent there. But like you said, Robin, those, they've not had a, a completely healthy room where all those guys are available uh, for any given point in time. I, it's always been this guy's out or that guy's out or, or multiple guys are missing times, at, you know, missing time at, at different periods. So, um, it's just one thing after another, unfortunately, for Ryan Held. But, um, you know, if, if they're able to, I guess, to string together some some healthy time for with at least a handful of these guys, we're going to see some production come from that room. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we take your questions in the mailbag. Um, interesting question, Nate, and you might have the best answer to this. With kickers and punters, is it normal to have a – particular coach work with those guys or do they typically just seek all outside instruction well I mean it depends it's a staff by staff thing you know sometimes you're going to have at least somebody on the staff who has experience working with kickers and punters and and can you know at least do like some basic drills with those guys or or give give them basic instruction uh, but there are times where you don't have anyone on the staff uh, or even a GA or an intern that can like help guys behind the scenes, not necessarily on the on the practice field. But, um, you know, my it's been my experience that there's at least somebody, whether it's a, a full time coach, a GA or an intern that has some experience with that. But it, it's not an all the time deal. Um, and, and I think that's something where. It's become way more prevalent here over the last 10, 15 years where you don't necessarily – there's so much outside instruction nowadays that you don't necessarily have to have a kicking expert on your coaching staff anymore. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. We take questions in the mailbag. Uh, next question's about the offensive line. Um, in 2019, um, we maybe underestimated losing Tanner Farmer and Gerald Foster. Why are you so much more confident in 2021 that losing – Guys like Brandon Hymas and Matt Farniak and even Bo Wilson 
why they can just kind of reload and replace that. And, and what I would say is I just think the program's in a much different place. I think the depth's better. The resumes of these guys in the program are better. Turner Corcoran got to get a start underneath his belt. And, you know, you've got guys like Nuri Nuelli, um, who started Division One games, who's in contention for a starting job right now. And, you know, th- I just think there's so many more options and, and better players on this roster than maybe what was on the roster in 2019. Yeah, and I think that's a product of the way this staff has been able to slowly but surely develop uh, what the offensive line room looks like. I mean, the guys are they're bigger, they're stronger, they're more talented, they have higher recruiting pedigree to them uh, to where you know now you're finally starting to have uh, you know a, a bit of a, a streamline coming in to where if you lose one of those guys, one of those seniors, it's not this massive drop down. Uh, in fact, you can make the case that Long term, they might have uh, you know better players with with higher ceilings that are now going to get a chance to see the field uh, in in place of those guys. So I think that's kind of the biggest reason for optimism is that for the first time, certainly since Frost has been here, and maybe even long before that, the depth on the offensive line is there, and the the makeup physically of this group is where it needs to be to be competitive in the Big Ten. That um, you know the the drop off from senior starter to backup isn't so stark as it has been for far too long. Yeah, the the depth and overall potential as far as just the overall talent of these guys is as good as I it's been for a very very long time I, I think you know when you finally a coach has been here long enough to yeah, recruit a exactly. roster you've been able to you've been able to slowly piece it together it, it, offensive and defensive lines they don't happen overnight it happens over three or four years of of continually adding pieces and, and developing those guys and and now that they've done that and and recruited it very well I mean you look at the the pedigree of some of these guys I mean Corcoran and, and Teddy Prohaska and um, you know Ben Hart I mean these are all high four-star type of guys or U.S. Army All-American type of guys where um, that wasn't the case three or three or four years ago you didn't you didn't have those types of players uh, just waiting in the wings necessarily so um, I, I think that's the reason for optimism is is that the depth is good the competition is good and and what they're working with overall in terms of talent is as good as it's been there's just been too many staffs obviously at Nebraska with pressure to get their problems solved in one year and with offensive lines you can't solve problems in one year it, it is a slow build yep. because if you try to take shortcuts and go juco or go transfer um eventually it's going to catch up with you and i think nebraska has at least done a good job of building it the right way and, and they've still added some quality transfers like ezra miller and nuri noelli as as walk-ons so uh final question will you guys crush a runza or valentino's pizza at the spring game being you've had to go a whole year without getting any of uh, your, your free Husker f- game day food. Yeah. I mean, that's the difference. It's free. I've had plenty of runs and Valentino's over the last year. There's something two. about that little box though, I that know, little Valentino's box. I don't know how it, what it does to the cheese. It makes it 5% <laughs> better. There's zero question about it, but yes, if it is available and I hope that it is, I will certainly imbibe in some Valentino's and runs or probably both. I'll go both double. <laughs> With some popcorn too, right? Maybe, uh, maybe, 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 maybe. If, if I'm still hungry. Well, yeah. I wonder what the, what the. I wonder if popcorn will even be an option. Maybe pre-bagged or or pre-boxed. I don't know, but yeah. I mean, if it's there, I I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna. It's been a long time since I've been you know in a stadium for a live event with with actual people. Um, so there's no doubt I'm I'm gonna partake in. Are you a Runza or a Valentino slice guy in the stadium? Um, I think 
It depends. If it's cold, I'm I'm more of a Runza, Runza. guy. It stays hotter longer. Yeah, and and plus you can use them. You know, you can put them in your coat pocket and kind of stay warm there. But you know, if you're in the if you're in the the press box, I, I think I think I'm more of a pizza guy. Were, were you guys? Do you remember when there actually was an Amigo stand in the stadium mm-hmm. in the early in the ninety era in the nineties? Some at mm-hmm. some point where you can get like crisp meat burritos and cheesies. Yep. Oh yeah, that was a game changer. I don't know why they went away with it. Money. I mean, yeah. Well, I guess. I mean, Pepsi. I mean, Nebraska was a Coke school all the way until Pepsi came in. Yeah, that, that's a whole other issue for That's me. a whole other show. <laughs> they, they somehow have Diet Dr. Pepper in the press box, which that's, that was a game changer for me because you kind of get Pepsi'd out after a while. Mm-hmm. Unless yeah. you like Pepsi products, which I do. Yeah. So Nate's a I mean, Mountain Dew guy. It's yeah. just I, fine by me. The Mountain Dew is pretty clutch, but... You know, if if I, if I had to cho- choose Coke, no question. And you, you look, the the fall of Nebraska's program really coincided with the move to Pepsi. Oh hey, boy. there you go. Wisconsin is RC <laughs> Cola. Hey, R- Wisconsin's RC Cola. Yeah, they had uh, what is it? Sundrop and uh, Hawaiian Punch. Yeah, Hawaiian Punch. <laughs> Barry Alvarez got a sweetheart deal with RC Cola and Diet Right in their press box. But all right, when we come back, we're going to talk recruiting. The visitor list is getting. Filled by the day, Nate's going to update us on that and more. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. If you can't get excited to play football at this level, you probably shouldn't be here. But will it be nice? Absolutely. Um, shoot those guys. We, we all know that playing at Nebraska, one of the, you know, the best parts of that is Saturdays you know, in Memorial Stadium. You know, those guys got that taken away from them last year a little bit by no fault of their own or anyone else's. Um, so having some people back to watch them will be nice. That spring game should be really nice for them. And welcome back here to the Oscar Online Show. Final segment, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus talking recruiting. You just heard Eric Chenander uh, talking about having fans back around as Saturday will be the open practice to the public. Um, and it's kind of been the trendy thing going on across college football to skirt around the NCAA dead period to have open to the public, a.k.a. recruit practices. Yeah. Um, and Nebraska will have two of those things, the red-white game on May 1, which can have up to 42,000 fans in Memorial Stadium. And they're not, I, I, I'm not sure they're at 30,000, so there's still plenty of seats left available for that. Now, I've not heard anything on Saturday's practice, Nate, with 4,000 available. They were going to release them in waves of three. Um, so I'll, I'll be curious if they've sold out all 4,000 seats. Um, but there will be 4,000 fans in Memorial Stadium here on Saturday afternoon watching Nebraska. Do we know of any recruits at this point other than Ernest Hausman, who has publicly acknowledged that he will be at the practice? Yeah, right now, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be, but they're outside of Ernest Hausman, the you know one of the the commits in this 2022 class out of Columbus. I mean, there are, there haven't been we've not confirmed officially. Um, you know, any, any guys that are planning to go. Now, I would be surprised. You know, I haven't heard back from guys like Tatum Tuioti. Um, you know, I mean, that one would make a lot of sense if he were able to make his way to the practice. Um, you know, someone who has an offer from Nebraska, obviously his dad, Tony, is, is a coach. So, you know, I'd, I'd be surprised if he weren't going. Uh, but, you know, as, as far as kids from outside of Lincoln, 
you know, whether it's an in-state guy or even, you know, a 500 mile radius guy, um, you know, been trying to connect with as many as those as possible. And so far, no one has, has confirmed that they will be there. It, it's mostly geared towards the spring game. And then, you know, of course, guys are starting to, to set up official visits as well. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk um, visits, Nate, and Couple things are are going to go into effect here this week by the NCAA. the The dead period is going to come to an end, and um, recruits can start taking official visits and camps in June. It's just going to be a wild, wild west of recruiting for an entire month at least. Um, you know, where coaches who have not been able to host have, are going to host like crazy. And then uh, the other thing will be the one-time transfer rule. So it's going to be really, really busy here when all that gets finalized. Uh, but, Nate, Nebraska, like many schools, have taken the liberty to start scheduling these visitors for June. Um, just from your vantage point, where is that at? Um, I know we keep adding to our list on Husker Online for the June and obviously the some May guys as well that will be coming to Lincoln uh, for different opportunities, especially the red-white spring game. Yeah, I mean, pretty much every day we're we're confirming new guys, new visitors that are either coming in for the spring game or or that are lining up official visits for June. And you know that that official visitor list in particular is, is growing really really rapidly. I think you know as as we tape this today, I think there's seven guys that we've already confirmed that are going to be taking official visits in the month of June. That first weekend on June fourth weekend, um, you know, I think there's five guys so far uh, lined up for that one and. And that's, I mean, that's a sign that Nebraska is not wasting any time. They're they're trying to get their top targets in town for an official visit as soon as possible. And the majority of these guys that they're lining up are players that are already very, very high on Nebraska and, and more or less just want to be able to, to actually get into Lincoln and be around the coaches in person and see things for themselves to to really confirm if what they think they know about the program is true. You know, they've they've done all the virtual visits, they've done all the zooms and facetimes and whatever. Um, you know, they they like Nebraska, but I think they they need to see it in person to kind of you know knock them one way or the other. They're they're on the fence right now as far as making a decision. I think they're very a lot of these guys are very close to committing, but they just need to see it in person. And so that's what Nebraska's done. They they have uh they've lined these guys up and they're getting them in as soon as possible. And it's competitive right now. I mean, every school in the country is is trying to line up visits for the most part right now. And uh especially with the guys that are wanting to make a decision before their senior season starts. Yeah, you get a lot of these guys Nate that want to have a decision in August. Well, if June June is going to be the only month because we don't know about July. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think it's just June right now, right? Well, I mean, no yes. one's no one's planning on July because a lot of these coaches want to probably go on a vacation at some point in their their year. Well, yeah, I mean, as things stand right now, we know the the dead period is ending in, on May thirty first, and so the month of June is is going to be open for official visits. We've not heard anything else. You know, if they're going to adjust the calendar and and allow visits to happen in in July, because typically, you know, it's that last weekend that last Sunday in June is typically when the dead period goes into effect um, you know for two or three weeks with basically the the month of July so uh, which does allow coaches you know to, to take a break and kind of get away and uh, for a little bit so 
Uh, but yeah, right now I think you're basically looking at four weekends in June to to line up official visits before you really turn your focus to to the fall and getting kids in for games. Well, and you might have to see some schools concede and say we we might have to have some Tuesday Wednesday officials or you well, know. Well, and that's and that's part of it too. I mean, we're going to see non traditional official visit dates pop up too, um, where. Kid, you got to work around a kid's schedule. He may have, you know, two or three weekends or, or all four weekends scheduled, but, you know, has one more remaining official visit and he wants to take it in June so he can make a decision. So there might be a, you know, a Tuesday, Wednesday official visit or, you know, a midweek official visitor that, that are popping up. But, um, you know, it's it's become pretty apparent that that first weekend is – it, they, I mean, they want to start this, you know, the, the beginning of the, the live recruiting period um, off with a bang. They, they want to bring kids in right away, uh, you know, and have a good group of guys, a good group of, you know, highly valued top targets uh, on campus together like we've seen them do in the past and, and really kind of kick things off. And, and I think, you know, for as much hand-wringing as, as this class has kind of gotten, you know, I know people have been kind of nervous only at two commits. And because whatnot. of the in-state kids. Yeah, and because of the in-state kids that have already kind of cut Nebraska, I think we're going to see the month of June be crazy. I think there's going to be a lot of commits. They're going to go on a, on a roll uh, here once things get live and, and they're really able to showcase what – is is you know one of their best things and that's just getting kids on campus and showing them what it's all about and being face to face with these recruits and more than likely Nate if you're just handicapping what this class will be like it's probably going to resemble the 2021 class more than some of the other higher ranked classes I think it's going to be a solid 20 to 30th ranked class it's not going to be loaded with four stars there'll be some four stars in this class probably when it's all said and done and that's perfectly fine. I, I think when you look at 2021, they got a bunch of guys that want to be at Nebraska that were program fits, not just a bunch of guys that maybe had a ranking next to them that weren't program fits. So I, I, I think that's as important, a.k.a. Iowa and Wisconsin, as anything to find program fits that fit you versus maybe the ranking and then trying to make that kid fit your program when in the end he's probably not a fit. Yeah, well, I think if we learned anything here over the last three or four years, it's that you can't force a kid to to come to Lincoln and and like it right away. You know, I think that, uh, you know, some of the Miami kids that have left the program, yeah, they were highly ranked and and highly recruited. But, you know what, you weren't able to to get those guys to to come to Lincoln and buy in right away and and love it here and bleed red right away. So, um, but if you're able to get, you know, a a highly ranked three-star, you know, a kid who's maybe right on the border of being a four-star type of guy that that bleeds red and and is all in on Nebraska and is a good program fit and fits your schemes, that's just as good as getting a four-star. So, yeah, I I think this 2022 class will probably, you know, be in that 20 to 30 range, maybe 20 to 25 range instead of closer to that that number 15, 15 to 20. Yeah, the 15 to 20 range. All right. Well, lots to keep up on as open practice, well, practice observations. Nebraska baseball is at Penn State as well, um, and basketball is going to have a lot of cooking as well. So make sure you're on HuskerOnline.com as we will keep you up to date on the latest. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.